Okay, so if I say, if, if, if I was climbing a rock and you were belaying, working the ropes, and I said, on belay, you would say, hey, that was actually better than I thought it would be. And then if I said, it said climbing, you would say, climb on. Okay, so, so if you have no clue what's going on, I, I apologize. This is a series called On Belay, and, and, and in the rock climbing world, mountaineering world, there's the, we use a, a system of ropes and, um, and equipment called belaying. I'm not explaining this very well, but here we go anyway. Um, and, and in order, when you, there's a relationship between the person who's climbing and the person who's working the ropes, and, and with that relationship and those spiffy, the spiffy equipment, they're we're able to do things on the rock or on the ice or, or what in the mountains that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. And um, the, the system is called a belay system. And the series is called um, Belay because we believe that there's something happening similar um, when it comes to uh, trusting God with our lives in faith. Um, when, we move, when you and I, we talked about this last week, when you and I move beyond simply believing in God into actually trusting him, um, it's kind of like going on belay with him when you and I decide not to free climb in life, to do things on our own, but to actually climb with him. Um, as we've come to trust him more, we, 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 it's like we're going on belay with God. Uh, we can go on belay with God with our finances. We can go on belay with our, our kids, our, our dating, our weekdays, our weekends, our thought life, our spare time. And, and honestly, if, if you're new to faith, the idea of, of growing in faith and growing in trust is to just continue trusting him more and more and more as time goes on. You trust him more and, and, you, and you can trust him in every area of our lives. And, and if you're a person of faith, hopefully your faith is growing as you grow in trust with him in these many, many different areas. And honestly, this life of faith, is, it's a lot like climbing. It's sometimes exhilarating. It's sometimes stressful. It's intimidating. It's sometimes fulfilling. Sometimes it's really challenging, but this is all part of what it means to be on belay with God. That's what this series is all about. This morning, I want to introduce you to a question that we're going to use. We're going to utilize this question every week for the next three weeks as we go throughout this series. Um, it, it's the on belay question, and it goes like this. What would somebody, what would someone who is you do if they were completely confident that God was with them? What would somebody who is you, that the same job, the same brains, the same circumstances, the same family, the same amount of money, same lack of money, what would some, uh, someone who is you do if they were completely confident that God was with them? See, this is honestly, questions like these are, are, are good to have around, and that's why we're going to... We introduce it today. We're gonna we're gonna kind of roll you around it today, the next week, and the next week. Because honestly, our goal, our, what we'd like to see happen, is we would like to see this question kind of walk with you through life, as you go throughout life, and you might find yourself confused by college, or daunted by dating, or frustrated by finances, or perturbed by parenting, whatever the case may be. As you're facing the things of life, I think a question like this. It's good to have, like, as you're wrestling with things, you're like, oh, man, this is just not working. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. But what would somebody who is me do if they were completely confident that God was with them? If, you know, and honestly, here's another way of looking at this. And I want you to think about this, actually. 
If your life was a climbing wall right now, how would you describe it? Go ahead and think about that for a second. If, you're, if you were climbing a route right now, what words would you use to describe that route? And if your life, and if your life was a route right now, maybe confusing, challenging, overwhelming, how would somebody who is you, how would they climb that being confident you know, 100% confident that God was with them. It's a good question, isn't it, to think about that, isn't it? To kind of pull out of life and get that perspective. On the flip side, I want to make sure I don't miss people here because here's the deal. Might, we might think, you know, like, hey, this is, maybe this is a question for when things are going bad. I think that this question is equally important for when things are doing, going well. You know, maybe you would look at your life and you're like, hey, this is fun. This is, things are going well for me right now. Like, like you know, the, in the past couple months, like, things just... They're going my way. And if you're anything like me, it, when things are going good, I'm often really tempted to go off the way with God and just like, okay, God, I got it from here. I'll take it from here. I I'm good to go, right? And it's at those times. So what would somebody who's, who's facing the same success, having the, is the, the fun that you're having in life, what would somebody who, what would they do if they were confident, 100% confident that God was with them. So this is a good question, whether things are going good, bad, or ugly, I think. And so we want to um, pose this question over the next couple weeks, and hopefully it kind of walks with you um, as you go through life. Um, I think it's a good question that might keep us on the lay, help us stay on the lay if that's what you are in life, if you want to grow in your faith and trust in God. If you're a person that you're not sure where you are with your faith, you're not sure, like, this, this is kind of a new concept, this idea of trusting God, I'm really glad you're here today because I, I think that this could be an interesting conversation. Maybe if you're exploring faith, you can ask yourself, like, okay, what, how might my situation look differently? How might I look at my situation differently if I had more faith? I think you can kind of reflect on that. It could be an interesting. Um, I'm glad you're here for this series because I think it might, you might find it interesting as well. Now, along with asking this question over the next few weeks, we're, I told you last week, we're going to walk through the life of a man, a young man named Joseph. This is a guy, um, and, and when I say Joseph, you might think Mary and Joseph and, and the, the, the parents of Jesus. That's not who we're talking about here. We're going back into the Old Testament, way before Mary and Joseph, to a guy named, uh, yeah, uh, way before Mary and Joseph, to another guy named Joseph. He was the son of... Uh, there was, maybe you remember if you grew up in church, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those were like the three kind of patriarchs of this nation called Israel. Jacob had 12 sons, and one of those sons, his name was Joseph. Now, Joseph's story, story is found in Genesis, and it's a really, really detailed story. We're going to find that out today. We're going to look at details. I mean, this was written thousands of years ago. Some of the detail that's found in the book of Genesis is incredible. It's kind of, it can be fun to kind of chew on that today. It's a detailed story that starts, we pick up Joseph at the age of 17, and it walks through his life well into his 30s, going into great detail as to what he's facing. Um, here's why this story is so important. Here's why I'm really excited for this series. See, I mentioned last week, the story of Joseph is a really important story in my life. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because of what it's meant to me personally. Um, here's why this story is so important. We find, and, and we'll see this today, today we'll find Joseph in circumstances that are so horrible 
so miserable that, that probably no matter what you're going through right now, Joseph had it worse. Like, you'll see here in a second, like, you'd be like, you might come away grateful. No matter what you're facing, you're like, at least it's not that. On the flip side, next week, we will see Joseph get elevated so high, and he'll, he'll take on so much power and so much wealth. No matter how good things are going for you right now, he will, he will dwarf you. So we're talking the lowest of lows and the highest of highs. And throughout this whole entire story, what we're going to find Joseph doing is just simply doing what anybody would do. He was confident that God was with him. It's an incredible story. And then on the third week, two, you know, two weeks from today, when we get the, there's a, Joseph's story takes a left turn. And he, so he goes from low and then super high, and then all of a sudden, so all of a sudden something happens. And he has the opportunity to take revenge on the, on the people who hurt him the most. And there's no consequences if he does. And we get to watch him do something crazy. We get to watch him do what somebody would do. They were confident that God was with him. This is a great story. I'm really excited to dive into it. It's found in Genesis chapter 37. And honestly, this, this would be a great day for you to open your Bibles. There's some in front of you that say Holy Bible on them. Um, page 32 is where we're, we're looking today. Um, we're going to read parts of it, and I'm going to walk through other parts. We're going to cover a lot of ground, so just kind of follow along if you want. Genesis 32, starting in verse 2, or 37, sorry. Genesis 37 on page 32 in the, in the church Bibles here starts off by saying this, Joseph, a young man of 17, I'm, I'm actually going to pause it right there. If you're a student in the room, if, you would if you're a teen or a tween, you're going to be a teenager soon, please raise your hand. It's good. Okay. Th I am so glad you're here today because I want you to know something. Um, some of the most powerful and formative faith experiences in my life were when I was a teenager. And what we're going to learn about today is God was with Joseph at age 17. God was working in Joseph's life. He was with him. He was planning things that would ultimately be huge for his life right at 17. And likewise, I believe that God is doing the same right now for you. There's a lot of adults going like this in the room, if you haven't noticed. Like, like honestly, students, don't miss this story. This guy's 17. He's, his life is probably a lot more like yours than it is mine. And God is with him, and, and he's, I, I believe for you personally that God is working in your life. He's, he's calling you. He's guiding your life even now. Did you know that? Don't miss that. Uh, Genesis 37.2. Jo Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. And he had 10 other brothers uh, at this time. The sons of Bilhah and the, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. He brought their father a bad report about him. Joseph brought a bad report. So we quickly learn that Joseph is a little bit of a tattletale. Okay? Keep moving. Verse 3. Now Israel, that's another name for Jacob, Joseph's dad. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons 
because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him, the special colorful robe for Joseph. Verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, then Joseph had a dream. Actually, in the end, he actually had two dreams. And in these dreams, he had, there was these things. There was a bales of hay in one dream, and there was like stars in the other. You know, dreams are kind of weird. And these things, he said, basically, Joseph's bale of hay, and, and he, there's, there's Joseph's bale of hay, and there's brothers, and, and the, his brother's bales of hay bowed down to his bale of hay. And likewise, his, their stars bowed down to his stars. And, and, and so he had these, these dreams, and then, you know, like, he made this mistake. He told his brothers about it. <laughs> like, hey, guys, I had these dreams. And they're like, well, you're bowing down to me? It's kind of weird, but kind of cool, huh? <laughs> you know, like, what does that mean? Joseph had a dream. He told his brothers they hated him all the more. Now, we're five verses in. Can you see how this is set up for conflict? Like, this is just right. This is not good. Something's going to go wrong. Part of it is Joseph's fault because he's a little bit of a tattletale, kind of cocky, kind of clueless, right? Part of it's his dad's fault. I mean, what dad, like, 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 it's not a good dad move to have a favorite and to make, you know, special, like, t-shirts for your kid that tells you, <laughs> tells everybody that, you know? And that's what Jacob had done. And, and honestly, maybe you've never thought about it, if you're familiar with the story, I think part of it's God's fault. Like, God's giving this, this young 17-year-old these dreams about this future that, that, that one day he will be kind of the, 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 what is it, the one with the most honor. So there's all, regardless, this is kind of set up for tension, right? I'm going to summarize what happens next. One day Joseph sends, Jacob sends Joseph to check on his brothers. This is something that maybe happened on a regular basis to, to find out what's going on and get the, the real deal. Um, and his brothers see Joseph approaching, and, and they start kind of just smooling, like, ah, here comes that dreamer. Um, and one of them says, you know, let's, let's do something. About, like, here's an opportunity. Like, nobody's around. Let's get rid of him once and for all. After all, snitches get stitches, right? You know? <laughs> Genesis 37, 20, 23 says this. So Joseph, when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe, the dad robe that he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into a cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. So can you picture this? It's kind of this deserty situation. They're, they're tending flocks. They're in the middle of nowhere. And Joseph's coming. And they're like, let's just, let's just get rid of him. So they throw him into a pit. And then the next part's really interesting. And then they sat down and ate their meal. It says, like, 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 honestly, like, listen, when you're reading the Bible, Sometimes, like, sometimes you just need to stop and, and realize, like, read the words that you're, you're, you're reading. Like, like, and then they just ate their meal. Like, picture that. You know, middle of the desert, and all of a sudden, you know, like, hey, guys. You hear something? No? Is that a picnic under sandwich? You know, like, they're just, they're just you know, having their meal. Ha, ha, guys, guys, come on. Reuben, Reuben, you up there? Judah, enough. This is funny. You guys still there? Just eating their meal. And then the, as, they're want, as they're eating their meal, they look up and there's this caravan of merchants coming. And, you know, trade, people who are trading goods. 
Um, and one of the brothers says this. Judah said this to his brothers. This is verse 26, 37, 26. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Ah, that's true. Like, what do we get out of anything? Or like, how can we make the most of it? If we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's profit from it. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hand on him. And I love this next phrase. It's like all of a sudden this little bubble of mercy comes. Like, after all, he is our brother. You know, like, yeah, killing him. That's just mean. Let, let's, let's just sell him. That's so much better. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood, his brothers agreed. And then all of a sudden, they, they literally sell him to the Ishmaelites. And suddenly, Joseph is a victim of human trafficking. Like, this is, you know, it happens. Um, some of you guys know that as a church, we've taken on the cause to fight modern slavery. And it's interesting, this idea, like, I mean, this whole story can seem surreal to us in a sense of, like, how, how could this happen and that kind of stuff, this brother selling a brother into slavery. But the reality is that some of the re when we've been doing some of the research and the reading um, and studying how, how slavery is happening around the world, especially in, in impoverished areas, it's really not that uncommon for immediate family, mothers, fathers, brothers, uncles, um, aunts, to sell family members into slavery um, out of desperation, out of greed, um, out of they have to pay a debt. This, this scenario is actually not that uncommon um, for, for family members to sell other family members into slavery. And that's exactly what happened here with Joseph today. And, and so um, in this case, his brothers sell him, and they agree uh, to, to sell him. And they, they pull out Joseph out of the cistern and sell him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they take him to Egypt. And in the blink of an eye, Joseph's life totally changed. And if you think about it, like he's, he's bound up, he's, he's, he's walking, he's, he's with people, he, they're, they're speaking a language he can't understand, and he's starting to think, okay, what's next for me? What's about to happen? What will I be sold for? What, what will my master be like? What will be asked of me? What kind of slave will I become? Imagine what he was thinking about. I think in the midst of these questions also had to be questions like, why? Why is this happening to me? I, I've done nothing wrong. And, and maybe he was thinking like, okay, God, where are you in this? Chapter 38 in Genesis is an entirely different story that you might be surprised to find in the Bible. Honestly, if, if you've ever thought that the Bible is boring, Later today, open up Genesis 38 and read it. Don't read it now, but just, you know, read it on your own time. Chapter 39 comes back to our boy Joseph. It says this, Genesis 39, 1. Now Joseph, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And then the next phrase in the story this next phrase that we're about to read, it just doesn't fit. It says this, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. To which you say, no, 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 no. The Lord was not with Joseph. Because if the Lord, in, in my mind, if the Lord was with Joseph, he would be
be at home, right, with his mom and his dad. Like, the Lord is with me. Like, like, like he would be at home with his mom and his dad, and his ugly brothers would be, <laughs> they would be in Egypt building pyramids, okay? Like, like they, that's what this would look like, I think, if the Lord was with Joseph. But the text says that the Lord was with Joseph in Potiphar's house as a slave. And honestly, like, like, there's times where I'm like, if, if, if the Lord was with me, if the Lord was here, like, like, good things would happen to the good people and bad things would happen to the schmucks. But as it is, it's not always like that, is it? You ever feel that way? I have. I felt that way, and I, I, there's times where I felt like God is falling asleep at the wheel. Like, yes, okay, I think, Lord, you're in charge, but what are you doing? In fact, let's just do this for a second. I want you to think about this, this, this question. Fill in the blank. If God was with me, think about this for a second. If God was with me, fill in that blank. Think about your life right now. Is there anything in your life that, like, if God was with me, I, I feel like if God was with me, this would be different. This would be easier. This would be happening. This wouldn't be happening. Think about that. What is it for you? I, I, I See, I think it's good to think about this from time to time and good to call out. Because if you don't realize that the, those thoughts are there, they mess with you. They mess with our theology. They mess with our view and our idea of God. Because if God was with me, these things should be happening. You want to know what I believe? I believe that the author of Genesis purposely put this phrase in here, not just once, we're going to see it again here in a second, put this phrase at that time, like he just got sold into slavery, he's just getting into Egypt, and then he puts this phrase that doesn't fit, he says, the Lord was with Joseph, and the purpose that he did that, the, the author of, of Genesis did that, was to get his readers to think. To, to get us to think, to stop and think, wait, 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 what does it mean for the Lord to be with me? Really, what is it, like, I, this is what I think it means, but what does it mean for the Lord to be with me? And I think he's trying to get us to think, if God was with Joseph in his difficult times, is it possible that he's with me during mine? You know, if, if the Lord was with him, Joseph right now in this horrible time, is it possible that God's with you in your time? Right now, hold that thought. Let's keep reading. Genesis 39.2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him, there it is again, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph, Joseph found favor in, the eye, in his eyes and became his attendant, meaning like, like they kind of moved up the ranks and became his right-hand guy because you know, everything he did, the Lord blessed. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned, that is Joseph. And, and honestly, I think this detail is really important. Because what would you do if you were sold into slavery? I know what I would do. I, I wouldn't be working hard. And, and here we see Joseph, like this, see, we, we don't hear much from Joseph. We don't get his words and what are necessarily his thoughts at that time, but we do get his actions right here. And in this moment, where things are really bad, we learn that, that Joseph is, he's working. He's actually doing things. And see, I think this is important for us to note because it's, it, it shows a little bit of his attitude. 
Because guess what Joseph is doing, even in slavery right, right this moment? He's just doing what anyone would do who's completely confident that God was with him. He's not trying to manipulate his circumstances. He's not trying to slip away and find, find a way home. He's not trying to sabotage his master. He's, he's just doing what anyone would do. He's confident that God was still with him, even in circumstances like this. And as he did that, Potiphar took notice of it and put him in charge. Let's keep reading. 39.5. From the time he put Joseph in charge of his household and all that he owned. And this next part, Abby, is so frustrating. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessings of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had because of Joseph, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar, as you know, like he's like, he just keep, kept leaving things in, in Joseph's care. Because with Joseph in charge, he did not have to concern himself with anything except for the food that he ate. Man, I really like having this Joseph guy around. Again, at which point, if I was Joseph, and let's pretend this is a movie where the, the characters get to interact with the narrative narrator, and the narrator's like, and the Lord blessed Potiphar because of Joseph. And if I was Joseph, you're like, okay, okay, time out. Can you just bless me? Because of me, I mean, I'm so glad that you're blessing my slave master because of me. Can you just bless me because of me? God, please, like, just, is that too much to ask? No, the text says that God chose to bless Potiphar because of Joseph. It gets worse. If you're familiar with the story, <laughs> yeah, that's great. If you're familiar with the story, remember Potiphar's wife? Verse 6. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. <laughs> and after a while, his master's wife took notice of the fact that he was well-built and handsome and said, come to bed with me. Awkward turtle. Like, just like, like, just come, come to bed with me. And, and Joseph um, is, you know, he finds himself obviously in a no-win situation as, as a slave because if he was to give in to this, um, and get caught, he's toast. If he, if he says no, um, he's toast because she's in charge, right? So he tries to, 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 you know, like he says no, and basically you're not my type, you know, you're married and all, and like my master, I'm slave master. Did you see how this is a problem? Right? He says this, but he refused. This is verse 8, but he refused. He said this, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has his, he has entrusted to my care. Verse 9, no one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because BTW, you are his wife. <laughs> right? Hello. How then could I do such a wicked thing? And then he says this, and sin against what? Who? Say it. God. Who has not done much for me lately? You could, you know, like in parentheses, be, you know, like, like. But isn't this, stop, you think this is amazing. Here's this, this, uh, this response is so huge because we start to see that Joseph, through this whole ordeal, he's staying on the lake. 
This, this somehow this 20-year-old kid was able to remember something that you and I often forsake. That when things are not going good for us, our job is not to try to re-engineer our circumstances. Our job is simply to do what anyone would do who's completely confident that God was with them. And this, this is really, truly, and this is why I think this, this story is so worth talking about. This is why I think it's written in the Bible and we're talking about it thousands of years later because here's this, here's this kid and he has no Bible, no church, no temple. This, like guys, this is way before Jesus. This is way before King David. This is way before Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He's in Genesis. So it's before all of that. He doesn't have any of that. All he has is some stories that he heard from his, his father, his grandfather, and his great-grandfather that, that God was with them in a special way. That's all he's got. And he was able to somehow maintain the conclusion that's something that you and I often miss. I miss this all the time. That in our most difficult circumstances, you and I only have one assignment. And that is to stay on the way. To keep climbing. And to trust that God is with us. Not to sort it out. Not to figure it out. But just to keep climbing. The text says that day after day, very persistently and not very creatively, she just kept saying, come to Bezazel. And all of a sudden, um, there's one day where, where she kind of caught him off guard and grabbed him. And, and he, he, did, he did what all of us should do when we're facing sexual temptation. He ran away. He just beelined it out of there. And, and his, she was able to grab his cloak. Ran out of there, and, and she basically was so frustrated. She used that as evidence to frame him. That this Hebrew slave had come in and he tried to assault her. She cries rape. The alarm goes off. Potiphar comes rolling in, and he, you know, all the all the security goes up, and, and Joseph goes to jail. And Joseph, here in, in that moment, Joseph is punished for the very thing he had self control not. Imagine how demoralizing that would be. How discouraging that would be. He gets thrown into jail. But hey, there's good news. Because check this out. Genesis 39, 20 says, but while Joseph was in prison, guess what? The Lord was with him. <laughs> At which point, like, like, if you're Joseph and you're in prison, can you, like, again, talking to the narrator, hey, narrator, do me a favor. I know the Lord's with me. Could you relay a message back to God and just tell him not to be with me for a little bit? I just need a little bit of a break. You know, this whole being with me thing that he's doing is kind of killing me. In fact, narrator, could you tell God to go be with someone else? for a little bit. In fact, narrator, I have a great idea. Could you tell God to go be with my brothers? <laughs> a lot. Right now. Because I, I, I tell him he's great, but I'd rather he not be with me in prison. In fact, I'd rather be at home without him than in prison with him. He had, come on, he had to be thinking those things, right? I'm sure he had moments like this, but the remarkable thing is, is in the months and years to come, guess what Joseph did? He 
kept doing what anyone would do who was completely confident that God was with him. I'm going to leave Joseph there today. <laughs> and I kind of did this on purpose. There's, there's this, this term in climbing, and I think it's maybe outside of climbing, but in climbing when you get to a difficult part of the route, the most difficult part of the route is called the crux. We're going to leave him in the crux today. And, and, and Joseph's story doesn't have any resolution. It doesn't have any um, promise. And I wanted to leave it here today because maybe that's how you feel with your climb and your story right now. Maybe you're right in the middle of something. Maybe you're in the crux. And you're not sure how something's going to pan out. Just like Joseph. And I thought that, that, that this is kind of like a good way, like just kind of leave it there. And if you're in the crux, you need to come back next week because things get better for Joseph. But, but in the meantime, remember, you have, all you and I have to do is because we have one assignment in the middle of the midst of things, good, bad, or ugly, is to do what anyone would do who is completely confident that God was with him. It's not our job to re-engineer our circumstances to take charge, to sort things out, to take, because that's what I do. I try to, I just take matters into my own hands. Okay, God, you're not going to do anything, so click, you know, I, I click, uh, 